0: We are continuing in our series in Acts. How many of you know we've been in this for a while? Yes, we have. Uh, It's been very interesting, especially when Pastor Justin seems like he's repeating certain portions, but getting completely different ideas from the same portion of Scripture. It's amazing how much depth there is to it. So I'm going to give us a recap on where we are in our Scripture. Um, We are currently going through the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They were in the church, and they had a piece of land, and they sold it. They got money from this, and they went to Peter, one of the apostles, and they laid a part of the gift at his feet. The part that was different about this, though, is they actually didn't give all of it. And they hid that fact from Peter. They told him this is all of the money we got from it. And if you've been here, um, you know that Peter had spoken over them, and in that moment, they fell dead before his feet, because they had lied to the Holy Spirit. And that is where we pick up on our scripture today. We are starting in Acts chapter 5, verses 11 through 12, and it'll be up on the screen, but I'll also have it here. And great fear and awe grasps the whole community, the whole church, and All, I heard that Elijah, who heard these things, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders, astonishing miracles were continually taking place among the people. And by common consent, they all met together at the temple in the covered porch called Solomon's portico. So if you're anything like me, you kind of read through this and you understand it mentally. But have you guys ever taken the time to actually break down what that looks like? Whenever I actually looked at this, something that stood out to me is this was specifically for the church at that time. They didn't have the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they had many stories of where God would do something and it would be a judgment against certain actions that people had done. We see that throughout Scripture, and that's the Bible they had. So that's what they knew. Their perspective was clear on this. But you guys ever notice that like in today's culture, or whenever we read the Bible, and we look at the New Testament, this is one of those few times where you can see that God clearly judged a specific part, or a specific actions that someone had, and gave a verdict on it. You don't see that very much in the New Testament. And I want to talk about this today because I think that our thoughts or ideas that we have about the specific subject, like whenever I was younger, could be a little off base. And it's because we see things today in a way that's different than what they intended back then, or what they saw back then. As a young person... I would read this portion of scripture and I would think, I understand what the story is telling me, but it doesn't make any sense. For instance, how many of you know the Bible says that God loves us? Yeah? Okay. How does that work into this scripture? Someone made a mistake and to us it could seem like a small mistake. They lied. And because of that, they fell dead? To me, in my perspective today, it looks like to me that that was a punishment not fitting for the crime. My perspective was different than what the people of the current day saw. They knew a God who was just. They knew a God who would respond to to disobedience a certain way, our view has shifted today. And so I'm going to be starting off in a specific way that most of you will know. Most of you have heard this. These are going to be very simple subjects, but if you don't get it, you will miss all of it. In fact, if you hear some of this and you're like, I know this. I know the information he's going through. I know what he's about to speak on. And you say, I don't need it. Or it's for someone else and not me today. That's called pride. And pride separates you from God. Because even if you don't think you need it, this is something that I have to remind myself daily It is something we need every day. These aren't just passing thoughts that we just can remember and then just go on. These are lifestyle things. These are things we apply to ourselves in a deep way. So I'm not looking for a mental understanding this morning. I'm not looking for you to tell me, I know all of that. I'm wanting you to see the truth And allow it to permeate into your heart allow yourself to see it clearly because if you can get this the entire portion of Scripture that we have today from Acts will make a lot more sense and there's two things that I specifically want to focus on this morning with this Scripture that we need to understand they're simple things but we need to understand them. One, God is just. Think about that. For some of you who have been in church for a while, you might understand that. You might have a depth to it. That's great. Remind yourself of that. But there could be people in here today, and they see God, and they read this portion of Scripture and say, He's a cruel, unjust man. He doesn't love people at all. Do you see that in today's culture? We need to have a clear understanding of this characteristic of God so that we can show them the reason why he's just. God is a judge. Let's say that there is someone that goes out and steals something from a convenience store. The owner of the store had plenty of evidence against them, and they caught this person. If this person went to the judge with all of this evidence, and the judge said, eh, ah, no big deal, let him go, what kind of judge would he be? No. That's not a good judge. Why? Why would a judge who isn't giving a verdict, a bad judge, if there's clear evidence, why is he a bad judge? Another question, why do we have judges in place? What's their purpose? What's their intent? Who puts them in their place in our culture today? Anyways. Society does. For what intent? To protect us. Did you know that God's justice is a way of protection for us? He's saying that if I don't step in and do something, they can hurt my children. They can cause pain, turmoil, struggle, strife, unneeded, unnecessary pain. So much of the world sees God as just a person ruling with an iron fist. But what they don't see is the reason why he puts these laws into place. Could it be that maybe he's trying to protect us from something? Trying to protect us from our own choices? Maybe the choices of other people? What does it really mean to understand that he is just? Because if you can go from this place and look at the world, so many of them get a wrong understanding of who he is. It doesn't ha- You don't have to go far. You've got a campus right down there. There are people who believe that Christians are mean people. If we explained that we don't have this stuff in place just simply to control people, but instead is to keep them from something that's going to hurt them, do you think maybe that perspective would change? And you need to open your eyes, Elijah. The second part to this that I we need to remember and really get the depth of it is we need to understand that God is loving. We need to really understand this. We have all the Bible verses. We can have them memorized. We can have them in the depths of our heart. But if we don't completely, fully believe and dive into that and allow that truth to transform our heart, we are going to go into the world and not make a difference. We're going to leave this room And we're just going to show people that God is either a cruel and unjust and a terrible person, or that He allows everything in the world, regardless of whatever you want to do, regardless of whether or not it's going to hurt you, to happen to you, just because that's what you want to do. God loves us so much. Does that understanding affect you every day? Does that understanding allow yourself to be transformed in your actions that you have around people? How do you act around them? If this truth does not change the way you act every day, then you are not getting it. Because you need to understand something. He has a relationship with us, not because of us. He has a relationship with us because He stepped out. Because He paid the ultimate price. I remind myself daily of how much Christ went to the cross for me because it's only whenever I remind myself of that do I remember I'm not worth it. That I've made so many mistakes that if I was just on my own, I would be disqualified. We need to understand the love he has for us. And as a young person, this story was very difficult for me to understand. How could a loving father that I understood to that point. Go and make it such a harsh judgment for something that I had done the day before. I'd lied as a kid. If you haven't, then well, that's another subject we'll have for another day. But I don't think then explain that. But as a young person, can you understand why that is such a hard thing to get in this portion of scripture? It almost seems like his justice and his love are at odds with one another. This morning, I'm letting you know he is just because he loves us. If he wasn't just, it would be a poor expression of how much he loves us. Because in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12, it says, For those whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights, he takes joy in you, even whenever you make a mistake. Do you understand what that's like? For those of you who are fathers or mothers in this room, you understand that. Sometimes your kids make a really dumb choice. You still love them. You just deal with the issue and move past it. It's because we are his kids. He's a good father. And as I was preparing this message, God brought a story to my mind. Of whenever I was a little kid, I was maybe six or seven, maybe eight. And my mom and my dad had got a divorce years prior. My dad was in Indiana, and I would go visit him in the summers. But my dad got married to someone else. And as a young kid, who didn't understand how to control his emotions, why they were there, or what was really going on, I had a little bit of an attitude with my stepmother. Now, I remember as a kid, I would have this going on all the time, but there was one caveat caveat to this. My dad was not around. I would only do it when he was gone at work. One day, my dad said, all right, I'm going, I'm going to work, I'll see you guys later, whenever I get home. We all said bye. Dad went out the door, shut it. In my little kid mind, I was like, I don't really even know what I was thinking. But my stepmother told me something to do, or said something to me. And in that moment, I responded with an attitude. Not the correct way. I learned very quickly what it was like to have a father. Because I was turned my back to the front door and I was walking down the hall. I heard the front door open, turned around, and I saw my father standing there. Let's just say I learned very, very quickly what the word respect meant. My father did this for a couple of reasons. Why do you think that was? Maybe to protect my stepmother? From my harsh words? My mean attitude? He also did it in order to teach me something. Teach me something I needed to know. And that was that if I had that attitude, whenever I got to be an adult and I was out on my own, I would not hold a job very long. He did it to protect me. At the time, I didn't realize it. Can any of you think whenever you were kids that your parents told you a really, really dumb rule that you didn't like, you didn't see the point in it? I've had moments like that. Yeah? Now, this is for the parents and the adults that are older in the room. Looking back now, do you understand why your parents told you that rule? Could it possibly be that they knew something you didn't? And it's interesting, because I also find in a portion of Scripture to where something very similar to this takes place. This is found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I'll give a little bit of background to this as well. But it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that you find in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. For those of you who have been reading the Bible for a while, my question for you is, is that what God told Adam? Eve's response, is that what God told Adam? No, it's not. God told Adam, do not eat from the tree. He did not say a word about touching it. Look it up. It'll be an interesting thing. Also something else to put into your minds. This was before Eve was there. God tells Adam, do not eat from this tree. And then it says he put Adam to sleep. What did the serpent do? He made Eve question. Did God really say this? The serpent called him to question the character of God. To create doubt in her mind. Do any of us today have any doubt about God being just or good or loving? Because I guarantee you, today, the enemy will give, will put opportunities in your mind to where he will give you the chance to doubt God's character. He does it actively. It's the way the enemy works. If he can doubt, or make you doubt, whether or not God is good, then why would you trust him? Why would you give your life over to him? That's the way he works. And he did that with Eve. And because of that one action, it created separation for each and every one of us. Understanding this may seem simple, but if we allow it to reach deep into our hearts, it can make the world today completely different. My question, though, is: What do you see outside these walls? What do you see in the world today? Horse and a scripture here for you. Isaiah 5, verse 20 through 21. "Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own thought or er, in their own sight. We see this today. The world take things that are clearly defined as good and they say it's evil. They take things that are clearly shown to be evil and try to make them good. If we had a clear understanding of God's character, do you think we would be where we are today? If people saw the laws, in the word of the Bible, if they saw that for what it really is in its intent, to give us guidance, life, peace, do you think they'd be turning to something that God calls to evil? It wouldn't make sense. There's a separation in our society where we are in America today, to where they do not understand the character of God. They don't truly understand what it means to have a just and loving God. It seems opposite to them. The Bible is clear. And it's very easy to see of the characteristics of God. The problem is, is we misinterpret them. We get doubt. We look at our portion of Scripture today, and the word that really stood out to me was the word fear. Because if you're just a regular, everyday person, and you read that, not what's up there, but what you know to be fear. What does that communicate to you? That he's a cruel tyrant. That he's basically a terrorist trying to control you. They don't understand the word of the Lord in context. Because in this aspect, it's not talking about a controlling, manipulative fear. It's talking about a deep reverence. And awe, respect. How many people do you know that you've been able to explain this to? You've been able to have the conversation, God's not a cruel man. How often do you have that conversation? Because I guarantee you this. America today does not understand this. Not at all. And you know the worst part? It's even gotten into churches. There's churches that believe that certain things that God calls evil, that they fully accept, they have no problem with it. God calls it evil for a reason. It's because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. Do you guys see how hard that is? How tough that, like how much corruption is in that that someone would take words that are very clearly drawn. The word of God which is intended to give us life To lead us to him. To show us a God who loves us. That paid the ultimate price. And look at his words and say, that's for someone else. That's not really that big of a deal. Why do we do that? Because there's areas in my life that I know God is working me through to purify me, to show me His character, His love for a world that doesn't see love in Him. The people that go out and proclaim that God is evil, He loves them so much. I love what Tim says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but how many times do we go out and we see someone saying something terrible about God, and we get mad at them. It's the enemy creating doubt, disbelief, pain and turmoil in the lives of people on this world that God created for a purpose. How many of us step out, tell them of a loving God? Can you think of the last time you did it? Can you think of details connected to that moment? Because if we understand this truly, that deep reverence, that awe, that respect for God and His Word, not just simply out of fear because it's because we know that he loves us. If we understand that, then this portion of scripture becomes so much clearer. Because a couple of things for you to think about. What was one of the biggest problems that the early church had? False teaching. Could it possibly be that God was trying to protect His church, His chosen people, from manipulation of His word, discrediting what God calls evil? Just a thought to think about. All of this was just me leading. To simply understanding what it truly means to live a life in reverence, in honor to God. Because the Bible has many different verses that talk about the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to read some of them this morning. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You wanna really know the knowledge? You wanna really understand things in life? Develop this respect. Develop the reverence. Whenever we do and we see his word and it says something, and we have that reverence for his word, What he spoke. And we understand his character. That he only puts things in there to protect us. And to love us. And to give us guidance. Whenever we come upon a portion of scripture that we don't agree with. Or that we don't understand. Having that fear gives us understanding of it. To sit there and say. Maybe. Maybe something in this has a deeper understanding than what I know. Could there be a possibility of it? That answer is a yes. And that's for you. Deepen that reverence. next one proverbs fourteen twenty seven: the fear of the lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death god's word is never to harm you and whenever you look at it with reverence it'll give you life it'll give you peace joy so much more than what we see here today in ourselves how many of you know that sometimes we deal with discouragement his word his law gives us life and it protects us from things that would take our life away even the things that you don't believe are wrong Next one. This one was good. Luke 1.50 And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generations to generations. Did you know that having fear of the Lord allows you to receive His mercy? Think about that for a minute. And if you need an example of this, go to 1 Chronicles 21, 7 through 17. It's an incredible story with King David. He had gone and he had made a mistake. He had done something wrong. And like a good father, he says, I know you made a mistake. And I'm going to teach you something through this. But because of the mistake you made, I have to also be just but I have three options for you. And I'm going to allow you to choose your punishment. What do you think King David did? He remembered the character of God. He remembered that God loved him so much that even though he made a mistake, God knew the best punishment for him. God knew the one that would make the biggest difference to King David. And he also knew which one would be the most merciful. And so he told God, Lord, choose for me which one. And you know what happened? God gave the punishment. But in the middle of it, Right in the middle of the punishment. He was looking at the circumstance. And his heart ached. Because he loved him. And you know what happened? He relented. He stopped. King David had learned what he needed to. And the heart of a loving father gave just as much as he needed to. In order to teach his son what it means to live a right life. To do what's right. Proverbs 19.23 The fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it, rest satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. How many of you in this room need rest? How many of you in this room have strong desires that you need to have quelled? sometimes? You're a man in this room. That should be you. Luckily for me, God is very patient with me. You know what the fear of the Lord does? It reminds me that God has not put anything in front of me that I cannot take the time to give to Him. He gives me the strength to overcome my evil fleshly desires. He gives me rests in moments of turmoil and struggle and pain. Even if it's pain I put myself into, He gives me the strength to go and make it through those moments and to do what's right. But I need to remember the reverence and the respect of who he is, and to know his character in order to make it through. You can't do it otherwise. And the last one, that I think that we really need to remember, and I don't want you to just hear this bo- portion of Scripture and say, I know it. Because there's a lot of people who know this Scripture, have quoted and said it, over a specific circumstance in our community and in our community culture today. They did not apply it. They didn't fully step into it. They didn't step into the depth of what it means to live this scripture out. Because if we did, there would be a difference today. And this is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Our culture today is hurting. There are so many people out there that don't understand what it's like to have a good father. Don't understand that the pain they suffer with today is not something they have to live with. They don't understand the choices they're making in this exact moment are going to lead them to death. You know, this portion of scripture that I just read is not for non-believers, it's for us. My people who are called by my name. That's believers. You know what that means? If we'd humble ourselves... We would pray, and we would seek His face, which is an intimacy with God. As a byproduct, we would see that the world would be healed. That our sins and nations would be forgiven. Maybe, just maybe, the reason why the world thinks that God is a cruel dictator is because we haven't showed them a loving one. Because a lot of people did the praying part. A lot of people tried to do the intimacy part, but they didn't do the humbling. It takes humility to look at something in the Word of God and say, I don't agree with it, I don't believe it, and I don't like it. But if you say it, if you mean it, it must be true. And I'm not talking about a simple just saying it, okay, yeah, I know But that hard conversation you have in yourself with the Father of the universe that says, I am at odds with this portion that you have spoken over my life or spoken into the world. But your ways are higher. You're so much greater than I am. The church has not humbled itself. And until we do, we're only going to see more more chaos, more pain, so much more questions that we have the answers to. So this morning, I simply have a response for us to take ourselves and apply to our lives. Number one, We need to know the character of God. This is the part that most people have. If they're Christians. They need to have a mental understanding of it. The best way to get that is read your Bible. Read it. The Bible will very clearly tell you God's heart for you. It'll very clearly tell you his heart for the world. Take the time to dig into that if you have not. The second thing we need to do is we need to humble ourselves. I'm going to make that very clear for us today on how that's applied to our life. We don't just simply read the word and skim over it and let it pass in one side of our brain and out the other. We don't just have a simple understanding of it. But we read the word and we allow what it says to challenge us. We allow it to speak to our hearts, not with some special intention or preconceived idea of what it means, but truly accepting what it fully says in its word. Saying, I may have certain thoughts on this, but I'm choosing to let your word determine my thoughts. Not out of manipulation, but because you know the God of that word loves you so dearly. So much that he went and gave his life for you. If that doesn't earn just a tiny bit of trust from us. then what are we doing? As if you're here today, I believe that there's words that have been spoken over you. That you've read the Bible and God spoke to your heart. And he showed himself that he is trustworthy. Even if it's just a little bit. We need to humble ourselves. And number three is we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. Once we apply it to ourselves and we receive fully what it says, even if we don't fully understand it, but we choose to take that truth and allow it to be something we live daily. We allow it to be something we carry with us. That's when the world will see. That's when they will see something that they never thought possible. It's only whenever we get to that third and final step. That after His word has transformed our hearts. That the world around us can see a loving God. That shows His truth. That it is not there to hurt you. It's not there to carry and burden you down. But instead it's to lift you up and give you life. Who here today knows that sometimes they don't do this? I'm not the best at it all the time. But I remember... I focus my mind on the truth. Not just simply the words of the Bible, but how it's transformed me.